This may not be a happy episode. Sackick fakes it, takes it, scores! Joe Sackick wins! Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph House, and you're locked into the Mile High Hockey Podcast for November 28th, 2016. Coming up on the show, you're going to see some of the stages of grief as we talk about starting the game and losing the game and scoring in the game and AJ Greer, but before we play the whoosh, as always, your disembodied voices of the week are Earl. Hey, Earl. Howdy, buckaroos. And Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Howdy ho. And with that... On Monday, Avs win 3-2 over the Blue Jackets in overtime, thanks to Eric Johnson's first of the year, Tyson Berry's second, and Matt Duchesne in overtime. He's back from his concussion there. It's a sick little play from Eric Johnson on that uh, on that goal, and shout-out to unidentified Columbus skater for not being as fast as Matt Duchesne, which may not be saying a whole lot, I guess. but Can't fault that guy. On Wednesday, Avs fall 6-3 to the Edmonton McDavid's thanks to a four-goal against third period. What a disaster. Nathan McKinnon and Rene Bork twice got on the board for the Avs before they gave up a bunch to a lot of high draft picks. The uh, third period goal scorers were McDavid and Eberle and Dreisaitl. So, uh, yeah. That was a thing that also happened. On Saturday, Avs fall 3-2 to the Vancouver Canucks in the shootout. Mikhail Grigorenko recovered from his Wednesday scratch to get on the board, as did Jerome McGinley. Uh, got on the board. He, he wasn't also scratched. That would be bizarre. Uh, and and McGinley now has three entire goals. Shout out to Jacob Markstrom, who single-handedly stole overtime from the Avalanche. Um, maybe not the uh, the whole game in general, but overtime? Yeah. I, I blame you, Mr. I have umlauts over one of my letters. I don't even remember which one. Maybe the K. I don't know. <laughs> All of them. He's that good. So what happened? Oh. Which you time? Know, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I have a hard time like even conceiving that the Avalanche can lose shootouts. We don't see it very often. I, I have a hard time figuring how they get to a shootout. I mean, I don't know how they didn't score on Markstrom. I mean, that was just... Unbelievable. I, I think they had one shot on goal, and we had, I don't know, five, six, something like that. Something like that, and Markstrom was a god. Yeah. I mean, this team has been about as good as it can possibly be three-on-three. Three. I mean, whatever strategy that they employ is one that works. Part of the strategy is that your three-on-three three includes Nathan McKinnon and Matt Shane. <laughs> that helps. And Eric Johnson, who looks at his, at, his, at his line mates and says, oh, you guys need to change. Okay. And just goes for three laps. <laughs> right. Round the goal once, one change. Round the goal twice. Let's get the other guy off, too. All right. Fresh now, now, line. You, now you take this. I'm tired. Tyson, get out here. Although Not a drop I, off there. I did see uh, Fedor Tutin in the three-on-three three and just about jumped out the window. Yeah. Was, was that awesome. during the shorthanded? No, there. no, that was before that. Um, was it? Because it, the, the forward pairings went McKinnon-Rantanen and Duchesne plus one, and then McKinnon-Rantanen. But the, the defense went Eric Johnson, Tyson Berry, Eric Johnson, Fedor Tutin. Right. Um, yeah, not necessary. <laughs> <laughs> not a fan. 
You might, you might say that Soderbergh's slashing penalty wasn't necessary either. Oh, no. At that point, the Avs were out of overtime skaters. You're looking at Soderbergh and uh, Rourke may have been out there. I mean, Mitchell or something. Like they're, You're into your depth that the Avalanche don't have. Spoiler. What's uh, Blake Como doing taking that face-off when they did go shorthanded? He's good at face-offs. Yeah? I mean, more so than a John Mitchell or a Matt Duchesne or Nathan McKinnon at that point. I think they wanted a PK unit out there because they had, I think they had, uh, Boschman was definitely out there. I think he was with Tootin. Yeah. Um, so they went 2D, one forward, and a very defensive forward. Right. I don't know. I'd still rather have anybody else taking that face off there. It ended up working out. They got out of the, out of the overtime all right, but. It did scare me at the time. Yeah. But. Than any team. <laughs> and then we saw Nathan McKinnon. I don't know if he was trying to do a different move than the Nathan McKinnon move, but he lost track of the puck. I think he's trying to do three moves at the same time and didn't yeah. get a shot off. Rolled off the front of his blade. And then you got Miko Randon, who I thought very fittingly ran got off the bar. Ping. Third time that night? A couple of times. I don't know. At least two that I can recall. It's it's hard for me to remember much about that game because it was just so dull for so long. Nothing happened for like forty minutes. <laughs> it was a lot of neutral zone play for sure. Like you you know that the Avalanche game is boring. When my Twitter feed, which is strongly anti fighting, sees a Cody McLeod fight, it's like, well, that wasn't oh, too bad. Sure, why not? <laughs> All right, that, that's that happened. I'm not I'm not too upset about it. We're, we the- we were bored. This one was kind of fun because uh, it's one of the three games all year that I probably watched at my parents' house, and my poor father is like, I just can't get into hockey. And then all of a sudden that three-on-three comes on. He's like, whoa, I could get into this. <laughs> <laughs> like, eyes were wide open and paying attention at that point. Yeah. And he's right. I mean, that is uh, a very entertaining. I don't I don't understand why Vancouver doesn't put, put Passy and Shooty Sedin on the same overtime line. Like, what? Why'd they break him up? They did the second time through. Um, Henrik Sedin definitely was by himself the first time. It was almost like a mistake. Well, it might be a speed issue. Mm-hmm. But they were definitely out there together, at least during the, uh, at least, you know, during the power play session. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean that's their PP one. So. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, I I didn't put this on the itinerary today. Um, but it just occurred to me that I wanted to, to bring it back up. Uh, the power play isn't doing anything. You know what it did the last game? It reverted back to last year's scheme. Did anybody notice that? Yeah, a lot more um, sort of from the half boards rather than running everything through the point. Well, yeah, and they're running everything through that center guy that sits in the slot. Yeah. I mean, they're starting the play in the, you know, the center of the defense. That surprised me. It's a which, good surprise because that's. I think that's been their downfall all year. I, I think it was funny because McNabb said, I think it was a week or two ago, that you know if you want to be successful on the power play in the National Hockey League, you can't just run everything through the point. I'm just sitting there like, well, someone tell Bednar that because that's what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think with Miko, you know, getting more and more confident. He's a good guy to have running everything 
you know, from that slot half boards area. Grigorinko's another one. Yeah. And, and they're trying to run things a little bit from below the goal line too, which is nice. Um, what, what's That's Matthew less, Shane's strength. Yeah. What, what's less nice is when the first unit comes off. <laughs> then what in the world are they putting out there? Yeah. It's Droma Ginla and who? Rennie Bork. And you, and you see fans moaning and groaning like, oh, what is – what is John Mitchell doing on a power play and all the who else are you gonna play? I don't know. You gonna I mean, put Cody the out there? We gonna see Andreas <laughs> Martinson manning the point? AJ Greer. Uh, uh, spoilers. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's that's the problem. I mean, you, your power play has a higher percentage chance of scoring than your five on five. Um, assuming that. One of your two minutes of power play isn't a bunch of guys who don't score. And their power play is about as good as it was last year, though. I mean, they're I think it's pretty similar. Yeah, I mean, I think they're nineteenth in the league. I think that's where we ended up last year. Maybe nineteenth, twentieth, twenty-first, somewhere around there. So no improvement, but they haven't lost anything. It's 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 still painful to watch, though. I just don't think it's that surprising. If you look at the names on the roster and you put together a top unit and then you think about the second unit, you very quickly go, ew. Well, the Avalanche secondary scoring looks much more meager than I thought it would at the beginning of the season because I could not have anticipated Carl Soderberg and Blake Como being as ineffective as they are. Yeah, Carl's and been putting it together a little bit this week, but he's still... A little bit? It's still little bits. Yeah, and you're putting him on a Matthew Shane line who's carrying that entire line. Well, he did kind of make the Grigorenko goal. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was his doing. But that, that's what I'm saying where it's like there, there's some things that are coming together, but you still see those indecision moments where you can tell that he's still not quite adjusted to this new way of doing things. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the best thing that can happen is when Landy comes back, you, you take Carl and you, you put him where John Mitchell is. Mm-hmm. You're at that miasma. You have to because you need something out of that third line because Avalanche aren't getting anything right now. Yeah, I mean, that goal was the first – I think that's the first point they've scored. I think they've been together, I don't know, seven, eight games, something like that. That's the first time they've scored. I mean, John Mitchell still doesn't have a point this year. <laughs> He took shots last night. Yeah, did, he has did a not good, get on net. His Corsi percentage is great, but and he's been on the ice for goals, but he mm-hmm. does not have a point. I don't. I just don't understand that. Yep, same conversation as last week. I mean, yeah. it just doesn't add up. He had twenty six points two years ago. He had twenty one points last year. He's on pace for zero points this year. Yeah. <laughs> That's good, right? Yeah, it's like golf, so. you know, the low low score wins. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that's how it works. Yeah. I mean, we should also probably acknowledge that all of our our lines just don't work without Gabriel Landeskog. I mean, he makes a lot of that top six work. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, they, they just don't have any depth. I, I mean, to have a third line, you've got to have your top six stacked. And, you know, that's just not happening right now. Mm-hmm. It, 
I mean, having Soderberg, you know, you can deal with that if Grigorenko probably, you know, give him another couple of games to get back in his groove after his doghouse game. Uh, you know, maybe that line starts working better. I don't know. But, I mean, the, the fourth, you just don't even – I don't even know what to say about the fourth line. It's 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 maybe AHL quality. Yep. And I don't know. I mean, I, just finishing up on Landeskog here, his game is so subtle and he gets so much flack from fans, but you're seeing the type of hockey that this team plays without him. And uh, they're simply better when he's in the lineup every night. It's a, He does a lot of stuff that you don't see in the neutral zone. Like he will get in the way and pick something off and then the, the play is already moving up the ice on someone else's stick and you don't have time to notice who it was that caused that. Or, like, he will actually let the team get in or out of, the, out of their offensive or defensive zone effectively um, as opposed to the dump and follow that we've seen a little bit the last couple of days. Yeah. Not to mention the play on the half boards that sustains offensive possession. Yes. He's, uh, for he's, guys like M- McKinnon and Duchesne, both need players like that. Yes, He's able to cycle and support effectively and find the uh, find somebody open in the slot when it's there or move himself to the slot when it's there. He's the guy. He's uh, otherwise we see plays like last night with Vancouver when Matt Duchesne is doing his uh, Matt Duchesne thing, doing his phone booth work in the in the corner. (laughs) Right. And some defenseman you've never heard of finally just kind of goes, all right, and knocks him over. (laughs) No penalty. Of course not. Matt had the puck. What do you want? Yeah. But uh, he needed help. He wasn't getting it. Yeah. He's no one to pass to and nothing really to shoot at because no one else is uh, uh, being an effective supplement to his line. Let's just say it seems like when, you know, he's ready to pass it to the front and it just, he's like, okay, no one's there. I'll just spin around again and go back for the same play. No one's there again. Spin around again. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know what it takes to get someone in front other than calling up AJ Greer again. But <laughs> spoiler number two. <laughs> I mean, Matthew Shane for his entire career has been craving, craving, craving just one more player on his line that he can pass to because he's just waiting to make plays that aren't ever going to be there with the kind of players he's playing with. Yeah, I mean, it's you see him bail out to the point a lot because there's just nothing else to do with it. You just hate seeing that because you're just like, all right, there was a play to be made there. He had position on a guy ready to make a pass and just no one was around. And that's a lot to do with uh, it, it, it's not it's not just a lack of uh, of, of someone like AJ Greer. I mean, with with. When Landeskog is out of the lineup, you can't have a, a line as stacked for Duchesne as you want. And that that's kind of where that conversation started, was he, without Landeskog, the top six is missing an important piece, and so you can stack one line. You could run <laughs> Duchesne, McKinnon, and Rantanen if you wanted to. Uh, but then your second line is, what? <laughs> Soderbergh, Grigorinko. Plus one? And Bork? Plus one. It, it includes Renee Bork. That's all you got to say about it. Yeah, yeah. Who, I mean, I don't, it probably won't make the, the post-show cut, honestly, but right before we started, I was kind of losing my shit a little bit about 
our defensive or our our scoring depth being only Rene Bork. That's it. Like <laughs> we were all so frustrated with that signing when the season started, and it was because we expected to see scoring depth. We didn't yeah. expect to see Jerome McGinley have three goals in twenty games. We didn't expect John Mitchell to have zero points. Expected Mikhail Grigorenko to get on the score sheet more often than just last night. And expected Soderberg to not be a slowly improving tire fire. Right. Be that solid 45 points a year type of center that he has been. We were expecting Vegas bait out of Soderberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, in everyone's defense, it's only 20 games in, and there's quite a, you know, there's 62 games to go, so... So you're saying there's going to be one gigantic wave of market correction coming our way? Well, it's just it, I, I think that this system that that Bednar is is put in is the kind of thing that's going to take some time to to gather momentum. Yeah, he's going to have to make tweaks because of the personnel and how things are working out. I, I you know I watched this with the monsters last year; they were not great during the fall. And they just kept getting better and better. And, and by the end of the year, they were fantastic. So, you know, ho- hopefully that's what happens. I just, I can't see the team continuing to play like this. Yeah, I mean, there are players on this team that are definitely suffering from low Van hockey syndrome. And uh, he's definitely one of them. Uh, Tyson Berry is another. I-, I cannot foresee Tyson Berry being this mediocre to poor all year long. He's too good. It's just weird to watch. Like, it's it's just weird to watch. Um, but I mean, my my uh, pessimism doesn't come from oh the team is continuing to lose games. It's that they are losing track of the things they were doing right when the percentages were going against them, and as the percentages have started to correct, they've played worse overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the PDO is up to back to like ninety eight something now. I mean, it's not that far mm-hmm. out of whack. That's within reason. Considering the goaltending this team has gotten this year, yeah. I mean, it's still bottom quarter of the league, but... That's because their goaltending has been bottom quarter of the the league. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Like, (laughs) there's no mystery here. The the shooting has come back around. The, The problem is they are no longer carrying the game. Their shooting percentage is still pretty bad. I mean, they're still like six... 6.24 percent i think yeah which i think is bottom three at least before last night it's 25th is it 25th okay yeah so they're i mean yeah they're just bad i mean maybe some of that is is the rest of the league is better because of the scoring up in the first couple of weeks or something like that but also, also, some of it comes down to who's taking the shots. I mean, obviously, Nathan McKinnon is continuing to be total beast mode and taking a ton of shots. Um, but you've got two lines of guys who you don't expect to score. Or take shots, <laughs> which is even crazier. Yeah. I mean, when Cody McLeod takes the ice, do you expect him to get a shot on goal? I hope not. my not. expectation. You only expect Cody to score if there's a line change happening around him while he's in the crease and it goes off his ass. Yeah. Right. He falls into the net at the same time. Right. Something. Well, one thing you I, I noticed you've been looking at is that um, the the high danger shooting percentage and high danger save percentage. Mm-hmm. 
you know, their their high danger shooting percentage. I looked today; it was nine point four, and that's twenty sixth in the league. Yeah, hmm. you know that 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 says a lot. That you know they're getting decent chances, but you know they're just not capitalizing on it. Yeah, and, and whether that's just bad shooting or you know not being ready or what, I don't know. But um, that, that's something that they really need to figure out. I cannot keep this chair quiet. I'm sorry, guys. This. I, I don't even have to shift and it's creaking. I need a new one, something awful. Um, but the, when, you, when we talk about the high danger save percentage too, I mean, that's been slowly and steadily in decline for the last season or so um, for Simeon Varlamov. And that's a lot of the problem with the, with the penalty kill is the shots are just not getting stopped. In the past, Colorado had a great PK because your best PKer is your goaltender and he was on fire. But this year, it's not there. No. And maybe it'll come around. Maybe it'll be there. But I'd like to see some all, sign of that first. Do you think that's all goalie-driven, or do you think it's you know system-driven or what? I don't think it's all goalie-driven. Um, <coughs> it's got to be probably more than half, though. What it, what it comes down to is the, the shot goes in, you think, oh, well, you can't expect him to have that one. And then the next goal comes in, you're going, ah, you can't expect him to have that one. And then there's the third one, and you think, eh, you can't expect him to have that one, but you'd like to have one of the three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some yeah. of it's definitely system. I mean, I think they're seeing pucks probably better than they ever have, and maybe that's just terrifying. They don't have four players standing in the crease anymore at all times. Yeah. Like, holy shit, it's there. <laughs> I can see the guy taking the shot. I'm not diving my head through legs and bodies. But, I mean, as we look at hoping to see the team get better throughout the season, we're not talking about a market correction. We're talking about the system being done more, more uh, being done better. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, while we're still on the topic of goaltenders, obviously Semyon Varlamov is out with a uh, unknown something wrong. Which I think they announced today that that was just a one-game thing, wrist injury. Yeah, he's I back think in he- practice. Right. I think he's probably in goal at Nashville. Maybe so. Not that not that Pickard has been any kind of a problem. No. Not at all. He's Although been, I'd still... Uh, he hasn't been great. He's been good enough. Been better. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I'd still love to bring in Semyon Varlamov for every shootout. <laughs> right, right. Oh, God. Um, but yeah, Pickard could play the first three periods if he wants. You think you have to swap in overtime to make that happen? Okay. And I think that's the law. Is it? There is, there is legitimately a rule about that. Hmm. I've never seen it done, so it never occurred to me. I think you have to, unless the goaltender's actually hurt, I think you have to make the change in overtime. Can't bring in a shootout specialist? Like Peter Budai? (laughs) That's actually... one of the things that was usually worried me about Pickard was shootouts. That was just that was something he wasn't that all great at down in yeah. Bell. He's just not the most athletic goal. He's not the uh, he's not going to make the most athletic saves. Yeah, and you saw that last night. He made solid saves, but he let that first one in through five hole through lack of quickness, uh, good positioning, but he just didn't make the play. Yeah, just got beat. Though I he wanted that first goal back. You could tell he did. He was close. So, um, but Picker's been fine. 
he's not been incredible, but he's been he's been fine. He he's had some incredible games, but lately they've been more along the good enough kind of trajectory. Yeah, which is what a season does. Yep, can't ask for more. I mean, you can, but you're not being very rational. <laughs> uh, fanatical, fanatical, maybe. Yeah, what what I think you can ask for is the team to uh, let's hit 88 miles an hour real quick. Start the game on time. Yeah. Oh shoot. Is that too much to ask? There was a graphic up on CBC during the game against Vancouver that showed that Colorado have scored, I think, nine first-period goals and given up 22, and I don't think that included the one last night. It's vomit-inducing. So, what? Like, what's going on here? I've got a solution. I I got it right here. You take uh, one of those, like, military police style like tear gas canisters and you fill it with smelling salts and you <laughs> launch it into their locker room <laughs> you just set that shit off about five minutes before the game time and get a bunch of like you know crack monsters walking on the ice so we're gonna Go. have, we're gonna give it the phil kessel treatment right Equal nitrate all over the place <laughs> and if that doesn't work bath salts <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna do i mean some some kind of salt is going to fix this. Yeah. It could be Morton's. I don't know. but no, maybe, I, I would, maybe rock salt. It's just, I, I mean, I can see just being a little bit tentative, trying to, you know, feel the other team out a little bit for the first part of the game. But, yeah, that's not what they're doing. They're just going out there and they're zombies. It's not like the whole first period either. It's like immediate after the game starts it's like within three minutes of every game they get scored on and they're watching a lot or if, yep. they, if they don't get scored on they're at least getting committing a penalty getting owned in some way or another right and, and the penalties are often not dumb penalties they're getting beat penalties mm-hmm. like Zadorov's last night was uh, that wasn't a stupid penalty he was just behind the guy with the puck and reached for it and got skates instead I mean right that's because he's behind and the guy dove the skate the stick went right through his skate what do you want uh, yeah but he definitely flopped a slight embellishment but that's <laughs> that's a that's a penalty <laughs> yeah yeah I, I don't know what it is I wonder if the system builds in adjustments and they're just waiting to make that adjustment before they make their move um, I'm not sure if they're tentative because they're not comfortable with the system yet but either way they're not asserting themselves early in the games yeah that's exactly it they're just they're they're being totally passive at the beginning of the game and it, it you just can't do that like in boxer analogy they're waiting to counter punch rather than attack and it doesn't usually take all the way to the second for them to start doing better no it, it feels that way because of how immediate their suck feels to a fan but it, like if you actually look at the the flow of the game with within you know with five or ten minutes left in the first they're usually pulling it back around yeah and then the second period is always much better so i mean is this a preparation thing is this uh like are they trying to like trying to match too much i mean there's got to be this is a pattern. It's happened too many games for it to not be a pattern. 
I mean, at least three quarters of the games. It's. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I hate to bring psychology into it, but I think it might be a mentality thing. I just think they go out there and they're just not. They don't have a kill mentality right off the bat. I mean, and that's probably you know that probably saves them from doing some dumb things too. But you you've got to have some part of your being that's aggressive at the very drop of the puck, because other teams do it to us. Yeah, it's just the nature of hockey. You gotta engage in that attitude. Yeah. So bath salts. I mean, is that the solution still? <clears throat> Maybe that would that would increase the aggression quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, somebody may get eaten, but you know. <laughs> hopefully, Kessel looks tasty. <laughs> hopefully, it'll be a goaltender who's getting eaten alive, not like, uh, not literally. Right. Maybe they're playing country music before the game or something like that. I mean, it, you know, it. it it could be something small like that. Like maybe if they switch to Slayer. Or right. Maybe, maybe Bob has been right this whole time. Maybe it's Drake. <laughs> maybe it's Drake. <laughs> but it's just bizarre and it has to stop. Yeah. Has anyone flat out asked uh, Coach Bedner that question? I mean, I'm sure somebody has. I just can't bring myself to watch every press conference. I, mean, I have he, no idea. He deflects, you know, he, he's been asked, you know, he, he, he's he been asked questions that hint at that. Because um, no one's going to be so blatant as, you know, why why does this team come out like they're asleep every time? <laughs> but, you know, he's just sort of like, you know, we just didn't get started on time. You know, he, he doesn't say that. He usually has a reason, but. What is the solution to that? <laughs> <laughs> like, I. We we understand they're not getting started on time. Uh, what is your plan of action? Because <laughs> it's not like this it. is the first time that's happened. It's not like you're coming out with tryptophan hangover tonight. <laughs> Blame it on turkey. That's it. This happened in game one and game two and game three. How many Canadian Thanksgivings do they have again? It's just one? <laughs> no it's idea. It's all Thanksgiving's fault. Yeah. Blame. Ban turkey. Ban turkey. I'm on board with banned turkey, by the way. Turkey is plain and useless. Oof, not the one I had. Not at all. Give me a ham any day. Mm. That's Christmas. <laughs> I'm not going to eat boring food because of what day it is. I don't want to choose if I don't have to, so uh, give me both, please. <laughs> you can't stuff bread cubes into a ham, though. Why would you want to? Because they're tasty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little celery. Uh, Why do you like this boring food? <laughs> hey man, I, li- I live in Colorado. I have to like eat Mexican food every other day of my life. I mean, this is my way of re-engaging with America, and you know, traditional, boring tasting food. I need some good mashed potatoes. And oh, I love mashed potatoes. Aussie and sour cream instead of just milk. You know? Yeah. Or- good call. I like that. Lots of garlic. Yeah. The most boring food possible is probably potatoes. Oh. Man, love some potatoes. (laughs) You roast potatoes and the sugars break down and they're just fantastic. In terms of all the holiday foods, I would scratch Thanksgiving. Hmm. Interesting. And uh, 
That's very much like Stars and Scratches. <laughs> because as the as the players I would scratch, I think Gregorenko is not one of them. Nope. Uh, he he responded very well to uh, to the one that he received. Um, so he is not on my shit list of the week. Who's on yours? Because I've got a uh, I've got one. On the shit list? Yeah. Francois Beauchemin. He stole mine. <laughs> <laughs> He's awful. So every other player on the roster is subject to being benched for poor play, are they not? It certainly appears that way. Yeah. In theory. It's not a doghouse, but like, hey, take a seat and reflect, right? We've seen that with young players. When are we going to see that with the veterans? When they're th- injured. Shout out yeah. to Como. I, I still think it's early for that. I think you you got to get at least 40, you know, you got to get past half halfway before you start benching Iggy and, and Boschman. <sighs> I mean, I, I understand you don't have the means of replacing a Genla right now, so you don't. Francois Boschman, I'm not sure he's playing better than Eric Jelena could. If That's the saying turnovers, something. You know, I can understand him being slow, but the turnovers. Oh, my God. The decisions, man. The decisions. The I positioning. Mean, the, what he did with, with, I mean, granted, Zadarov's pass was terrible the other night, but, I mean, it, it wasn't something that needed to be popped right in front of the net to a, a, an opposing player. To an oiler, that one was. <laughs> I, I remember that very well. I remember the yeah. sound that came out of my face. God, I had nightmares about it. <laughs> we have a reenactment. I don't. I don't think the the computer would pick it up. But even subtle pitched. I mean, even just you know, just your regular you know, popping it out of the zone kind of plays. He's turning it over all over the place, and it's just driving me nuts. I mean, I, again, I I can take his lack of foot speed, but the turnovers is not something that that you can stand. For. See, lack of foot speed is fine if you're anticipating the puck correctly, as a veteran should. And right now, he's not doing that either. Yeah. And if you're passing it properly, when instead of trying to skate it, which he's also not, he's using the kind of thing he's done most of his career because the systems he's played in, which is off the glass and out. Yep. Which is not this system. No. We would like you to skate out the puck, please. Or pass out the puck. Just don't yeah. throw it away. What is he doing on the blue line last night when he just gets skated past? He <laughs> was standing still. He was trying to control a gap and then he failed. Yeah, and then he tried to stick. You know, he was playing with his stick instead of his body. I mean, it's you know, it's all the stuff that phrasing young, young guys get excoriated for all the time. So. Uh, the if you guys go back and look at that video, the moment he realizes he has to turn around and skate, there's like this cartoonish, you know, <laughs> feet sliding out from under a moment. You know, <laughs> it's got to have some sort of, you know, Looney Tune sound accompanied to it. I'm fairly confident, but by the time he gets his skates back underneath him and realizes what's happening, is astounding. Yeah. So he, someone comes up his wing, and it's just that little record scratch moment. Hey, that's me. <laughs> You're probably wondering how I ended up like this. <laughs> uh, it's not good. Um, I, and 
players like Francois Beauchemin and half the time maybe Feder Tutin right now are not helping Tyson Berry. At, at least Feder Tutin is uh, shutting down some zone entries pretty well. Yep. He's, uh, he's, I try to hate him, but he's actually been pretty good. He was actually on my three stars of the week. Yeah, he's, he's been I would, what I would call not terrible. Right. He actually had three assists this week. Did he? Yeah. That's subtle. Yeah, he's That's sneaky good subtle. on the secondary assists. Hmm. So, Isn't he up to six points on the year, which already doubles his total from last season? I hear that. It's more than John Mitchell. That is. <laughs> <laughs> I, one of us could probably have more than John Mitchell right now. Just by accidentally being around and touch a puck that was about about to get knocked in by someone else. Yeah. I mean, does Cody I, McLeod I, have a point yet? No, he sure doesn't. Okay. No, he's playing three minutes a night. What are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just trying to rub it in. Not that we have anyone else who could uh, use a, use that roster spot or anything. No. But uh, my scratch for the week is Mister Opening Night Hat Trick. One point since then, Joe Colborn. Do something. He yeah. was on my list too. Did not respond to the benching. Yuck. Yeah, I mean, uh, how do you have fourth a line's trick? been so bad. How do you have a hat trick on opening night, and here it is the end of November, and you have four points? Do we all remember how he got that hat trick, though? And where he was standing, where he was positioned, and he has he not been back, back there since. since. <laughs> like, right, is it because well, he's playing back. center now? I think it is. He's got to, it's got to be because he's playing center on that fourth line. Maybe, and I mean, some of it's going to be his line mates down there, too. Right. You're not going to get assists when your line mates include guys like Cody McLeod, John Mitchell. It's I been Andreas Martinson. Yeah, I, I think... Oh, him, took, too. He's not going to score goals. No, apparently not. <clears throat> I think if he took McLeod off that line and, and put, you know, let's let's say JT Comfort gets healthy or Rocco Grimaldi gets called up or something like that, I think if you put someone that can skate and create a little bit in that fourth line center spot and have Colborn and, and Andy on the wings, I, I think you might actually get some production there. Yeah. I Which like is, that idea. I, yeah. I wish that they had had a guy like that available like a week ago that they could have done that with. <laughs> Who else is we, – we got room for one more scratch this week. <laughs> Ugh, I can't even think of one. You guys took my top two. I, um, I, I always put Mitchell on until he scores. Mitchell until he scores. That's a good default. All right. <laughs> I like it. Stars of the week, which don't include Nathan McKinnon, because obviously. Eric Johnson. Yeah, the, the Columbus game, he was fabulous. Uh, every game this week, I liked his play. He was, um, and maybe this is a function of how the team was around him. I thought against Vancouver, he was trying to do a little too much. Wouldn't you, though? And that's I mean, why I'm saying it may be a function of the well, yeah. what was going on around him. But he looked very solo queued to me. He looked very, all right, well, I'm just going to do this then. If y'all aren't going to, I'm going to. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he did a nice lap like he usually does around the zone, and then he passes it to Mitchell, who's not even looking for it, and he's right next to him, and it yeah. ends up going out of the zone. And I'm just like, I can't believe, because, like, Mitchell is just literally staring off into space, and, and EJ is 15 <laughs> away from and I'm just, dude, you had a shot right on your stick, ready to go, and it, you just watched it go right out of the zone. Unbelievable. Have you seen the scoreboard at the Pepsi Center? It's beautiful, man. No, he was looking like into the stands, though. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> he was like well, looking. The sideboards look good zone. now, too. Yeah. 
about to get a himself, great game presentation. He's about Fantastic. to get himself bag skated for hours by Herb Brooks if he keeps that up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, Johnson had that flip into the middle with no one there, too. It's like he was anticipating somebody to go to the net. Oh, gosh, weird. Strange. Yep. Um, no, but he is by far the best player on that blue line right now, and it's not even close. It's really not close. And I, I went on a little bit of a rant on, on the old Twitter about this last night, and I said, ah, forget it, put it in a Word document and screenshot it, because I didn't want to spam everybody's timelines with this. But people are like, well, the problem with the – with the team is the usage of this defenseman or that defenseman, and it always comes down to which one are you going to put on the top line? The the one who's not even playing at all? The one you don't trust defensively? The other one you don't trust defensively? The slow one? The bad one? Nikita Zadorov, you got to do it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, think, I think you have to go back to that. You have to. It's but so I, effective. And you know what? He was good this week, too. Not star-worthy good. And there's a bad penalty in there, but he was the second-best defenseman last night. And, and I think one reason he hasn't gone back there is he's what's – I think he's saving Bosch's ass all the time. And I, I right. think – I don't think you can have Toots and, and Bosch back there together and, and for any length of time. I don't think you could have both of them in the lineup, but that's for that discussion for probably <laughs> another time. Um, the second, my, my second star is going to go out to Miko Rantanen, yeah, who, uh, Cole, uh, Cole Hamilton points this out almost every game that Rantanen will make an amazing pass to someone who's not expecting it because they see him come around with the puck and think, eh, he can't make that pass. And then yeah. he does. He, he has quietly made his way up to eight points in 15 games, which is tied with Landeskog. Um, it's as many points also as Weirkosh, surprisingly. I didn't realize he had eight, but it's an 18. But, yeah, no disagreements there. on Rannon. I mean, every part about his game I like right now. I liked how he came in and took a face-off last night and won it. Uh, I still love his forechecking. I wish he had more of an opportunity to do that. I don't mind having him on the shootout, but having him second a little sketch. A little weird, yeah. I mean, he got off a good shot, too. Just pinged it. Just yeah. pinged it. But if uh, if that second Vancouver shot goes in, you don't have a Matt Duchesne, Matt Duchesne chance, and uh, I don't know about all that. That is unacceptable. Yeah, he's got a rocket for a shot. Um, he doesn't shoot much, but he's got a rocket for a shot. Can we break down that first shot of the game from him last night? That was night? so awesome. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, like it got there before he even shot it. <laughs> he, he's got one of those, how is this already hitting me as a goaltender, uh, kind of snapshots like Phil Kessel has, where it's just like, pow, there it is. Yeah, he's going to dial that the, in. Uh, he doesn't do it off the off the wrong foot like Kessel does, which is how he scores so much as much as he does by goaltenders just not being ready for that. But he's got a rocket. He's yeah. going to dial in that top shelf shot eventually and start scoring goals. A couple of years from now, just imagine what that's going to be like. I mean, you know, he's still filling out. Third star? Third star. I had toots. Okay. Three assists. I mean, you know, the the guy's quiet. Yeah, he's not that quick, but, you know, he's producing. And that's, that's a lot. Well, he's a great player to contrast to Francois Beauchemin right now because I think yeah. they both have similar athletic ability. He's anticipating the play better. 
Yeah. Um, and he's playing with Tyson Berry, which is not easy. He's no. playing with EJ now. Is he? Yeah. I can't. I cannot keep track of the defensive pairings right now. Yeah, because they're, they're scrambling them so hard trying to find something that works and doesn't start with six and sixteen. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, suddenly, I was like, "What's the Toros number?" This this went south fast. But it, we're, they're they're trying to put to anything that isn't ZJ, and just nothing is working. It's been split up for a couple of weeks now, and you've seen the shot attempts against steadily going up. It's just like, please, put it back. Yeah. <laughs> Last night was pretty good as far as the shot attempts go, but uh, yes, you're right. No disagreement. And just to make another comment about Z, um, he, that, that pairing gets buried as far as defensive starts. And... You know, he's – I mean, he's not a great offensive player, but he's got a really nice shot, and, and he can create in the offensive zone if you let him. Um, you know what? I was looking I at his statistics, like, in <laughs> Buffalo, and he was an offensive defenseman there. Yeah. Let's say they didn't trust him defensively, and they probably right. should. But, um, you know, I, I, I'd hate to see that part of his game fester. You know, that, that really needs to be developed, and – you know, I mean, there's still plenty of time, so it's it's not a huge deal. But you know, I'd like to see him get maybe a, a power play time and garbage time every once in a while, or something like that. Absolutely. You know, just just get him a, a few offensive shifts a game, so that he can work on that. Because I, I really think that he could. You know, that's what he needs to go from like a really good defensive defenseman to a really good all around defenseman. Because he's got Eric Johnson type upside offensively. Especially with his shot from the point. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that's, you know, I, I think they're very similar. <clears throat> so, um, before we start yelling, I'd like to mention that uh, Nathan McKinnon has taken 74 shots now, which is 28 shots ahead of number two, which is Tyson Berry. Um, and Those attempts are shots. That's shots, on goal yeah. shots. On goal. And uh, he's leading the team with 15 points. He's only got five goals behind Matt Duchesne. McKinnon is shooting 6.8%. Matt Duchesne is shooting 17.9%. Matt, please share. Please share your <laughs> luck with us. You're shooting half as often as McKinnon. Please let him score some more. Just give him your goals. Um, and also start shooting more, please. Yeah, that too. You can't be wide, like all alone in front of the net and then pass. No one else is going to do it for you, Matt. That's, that was a little bit too much, Alex Tangay. Yeah. Um, but uh, Landis Gog is hopefully close, and uh, he didn't skate today. Though. And, and Grigorenko gets scratched because of uh, poor results. So that's probably the best time to send AJ Greer back to the AHL, right? Nope. Wrong. Who's gonna that... Who's gonna dump out the salt first? Because um, I am salty <laughs> as hell about this. The, even the timing of it doesn't make sense. Until Landeskog comes back, that player has no business being out of that lineup. None. <laughs> None. Yeah. None. I mean, he's already proven to me that he's better than any of their bottom six options. So, please. <laughs> yeah, his, his last game wasn't great, but still. Eh. 
um, you know, and I think he was, you know, I think he was kind of bummed out about it. He was really kind of not effective for the rampage this weekend, <clears throat> which, I mean, you have that a lot. A lot of times when guys go down to the AHL after, you know, getting a quick call up to the NHL, you know, they sort of float around a little bit. But Be a little it, listless. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think that he deserved to have someone take his job away from him, even only he only had it for a couple of games. I mean, you know, if someone's playing better than him, fine. But, you know, there's so many guys that aren't. You just, I don't, I don't think the abs can be profligate about, you know, the way they're getting rid of a scorer like that. I've got an idea. I mean, does this have anything to do with games played and perhaps uh, roster decisions uh, after this season. I haven't looked into it enough yet before this podcast, so... I am told that his ELC does not slide, if that has anything to do with it. it yeah, his ELC doesn't slide. The only thing I can think of is maybe that if he plays 41 games... That this is what I'm thinking. It's it's a, a year closer to free agency. Maybe uh, that's, that, that's the only thing that I was thinking of. Um, like but, it's an RFA UFA consideration, right? Yeah. It, it would be a year early, early to UFA, but uh, you know that's just—I mean—that's so far beyond the horizon. I really don't think you can think like that when your team is the last in the league in goals. Oh, you can. That's the GM's job to look at what what's going to be better long term and what's going uh, and what's going to be better for the team right now, and then decide which is more <coughs> important. Stagger his contract from Miko Rantanen, for instance. Unless but, you not uh, have to pay them in the same year. Yeah, I mean, you know, but again, that's seven years away from now. I mean, that's just. <laughs> but do you want? If that's what it comes down to. Is do you want to make the playoffs now or not? Like, even a first round effort. Do you do you want even that? No. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of what I've been thinking lately. Is like, you know, are the Avs tanking? Because yeah. well, there, there's nobody. I mean, sure, there's a couple of okay names at the top, but there's no Austin Matthews. There's no Connor McDavid. There's I don't think they're tanking for the first pick or anything, but I, I just, um, I, you know, it's become pretty obvious that there are some players on this team that don't fit the the square pegs, if you will, and that you know it'd be really hard to get rid of them because they're not desirable to other teams. So, you know, is AJ Greer going to make this team? You know enough better to, to justify, you know, not playing him in the AHL and developing him with lots of minutes or whatever. I, you know, it, it's above my head on that, but you know, there, there are some decisions now that they need to make and it seems like they might be heading towards tanking. What players in your estimation don't fit going forward? Of, of the ones that aren't going to be gone at the end of the year anyway. Yeah. The ones that are signed. Uh, Colborn's definitely one of them. Okay. Facebook. And 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 the Boschman issue is something that looms uh, in next June. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they really need to you know figure out what they're going to do about that because you know you have got some defensemen you'd really like to protect instead of him. Buy him out. <laughs> yeah. May, I mean that may be an option depending on how he does the rest of the season. Um, but. Here, AJ Greer, through his five games, 
experienced an on-ice shooting percentage of 2.9 because he played with Nathan McKinnon in the middle of Nathan McKinnon's biggest slump where he got robbed twice a game and hit three posts every game. Right, yeah. He's, he just ended up with one assist, right? He ended up with one assist. He ended up with a plus 8.7 on his relative uh, shot stats, He's which is 52.1 absolute, Corsi 4 percentage. He's... Uh, just, yeah, I mean, like, I mean his, his PDO is 93-3. He was unlucky for those five games. What happens? I mean, it's five games. What are you going to do? It's not like he's a guy who prevents his team from getting good shots. He's not, yeah, the, he's not the anti-Tangay. <laughs> so no. so Landis Cog's been out for, like, oh, several games now. Why have we not retroactively thrown him on IR, and then you don't even have to sit there and consider your roster spots? Because, I mean, you already had one anyway. So, I mean, keep him up, and you're not trying to figure out how Carl Soderberg and Rene Bork fit into your top six. Soderberg was another guy I was thinking of. Is, is Does he fit? I'm not sure he's a square peg. Um, he has know. to prove he's not. Yeah. So far, I, he hasn't. Yeah, I think he can. I, I think, you know, in the next 60 games, he probably can. Um, but, you know, yeah, he'd ha- he has to do it. Is Blake Como another player like that? Nah. I don't think so. I think Como's all right. I think, I think he is too. I think he's suffering from being with two guys that don't score. Mm. And he, he was also suffering from that injury. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'm just going to throw it out there, even though I, I would never prepare this myself, but is Tyson Berry a player that is going to be good in a lower event type of system? He hasn't so far. I don't think the system is going to stay this low event forever um, because you're going to see a lot of the chaff just go away non-signed next summer. I think that's a long-term solution to a short-term problem. But he's probably one of the – I mean, I think he and Varley are the the pieces that that are most attractive to move as far as high high ticket. Mm -hmm. Then you move the second one. You, You keep Tyson. Yeah. If nothing else, it's a matter of age. I, I think if they found a one-for-one deal with a defenseman that was, you know, a little more well-rounded, they might consider it. Truba. I don't think they I, – I don't see Truba as all that amazing. Yeah. And I don't see Barry fitting in with what they do in Winnipeg either. Right. You know, I mean – would you trade Tyson Berry for, not that anyone would ever offer this, but maybe they would, a, a young defenseman and a young, you know, forward that's got some scoring upside? I don't know if I like a two-for-one deal for Tyson Berry. Well, I yeah, mean, if, you're, if you're t- that's why I was thinking if you're tanking this year, maybe you're looking at some deals like that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like I said, I, I'm not in favor of that. I, I think Tyson Berry is a player that you have to almost consider building around, um, you know, building your system around. I, I think that he's he looks limited right now in what he's able to do. But just even watching him skate, it looks like he's holding something back, and I'm not sure what to do about that. He also makes a lot of mistakes, though. I mean, it's just it, right. it's mistake. I mean, he made mistakes under Watt too, but it's just. The stuff he's doing now, it's just it's it's a lot more frequent. So I mean that's troubling. 
So, I mean, maybe that's something that's just going to have to work itself out over the you know the next 20, 40, 60 games. But. Yep, still a small sample here, 20 games or so. I'd like to give it another 20 before I start throwing out real statements like that. But I'd really like to see him to... with some different personnel around them too. Yeah. They've been trying to find a partner for him forever, and they just can't. <laughs> right. He worked really well with Jan Hayda before Jan Hayda's wheels fell off. Yeah. And uh, he worked pretty well with Boschman before Boschman's wheels fell off. So who's next? Uh, Nick Holden? Was that yeah. kind of uh... that worked? We're talking about what worked well. Oh right, right. Um, so so <laughs> who's going to be available in free agency this summer? Who's got about two years before the wheels fall off? Because that's going to be Tyson Berry's next partner. Hmm. I mean. <sighs> I don't think free agency is a solution to any of the abs problems. It's got to be no, Chris Begras. There you go. I mean, that to me is a solution right there. Who, you know, I think the reason we're not seeing him right now is because we're trying to protect him from an expansion draft, you know, and a lot of players. I, I think we have Fetter Tootin right now just so we don't have to consider that option. Begras. Also, isn't Begras still hurt? Yeah, he's injured. He hasn't played. Yeah, he he's been injured for over a month now. With uh, what we what we suspect is a concussion, but don't know. I I don't know if it's a concussion or not. It's either a concussion or something he had to have surgery for. If I had to guess, if it was something and, that required surgery, what do we know about that? We don't know anything. That's I'm saying that they they have not said boo about it. So, uh, you know, concussion made sense at first, but I think even with a concussion, he would have been. You know, like around the team and stuff like that. He's been gone for long enough now that I'm thinking maybe he had to, he did something to his knee or his ankle or something like that. Hmm. I, I would think it's the opposite because if you have a concussion that's that's bad enough, you can't be around all the lights and the noise. So, I mean, maybe that's it. I mean, and, and it would be the second one this year. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I just I don't think I I thought that at first, and and up until about a week or two ago, I, I really thought that's what happened. But I'm starting to think now is something. You know, maybe a wrist surgery or a shoulder surgery or something like that. Huh. If it's something like that, though, I mean, he would still do lower body workouts with the team and stuff. I guess. I, I mean, I, I don't know if ride he's a bike. Been, I don't know if he's been with the team doing stuff like that. But yeah, I don't I, think we I can know, know that on the ice at practice. Isn't there like not that kind of access? What do you mean? Like to know what's going on in the San Antonio locker room. I mean, if if someone not affiliated with the team is at practice, which is incredibly rare, they can see like who's around and maybe who's working out. But yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about is the incredibly rare part of that. Like, there's just not somebody covering that closely. Yeah, right. I've seen people. I, I forget the announcer that's pretty good about tweeting information. Um, what's his Dan name? Dan Weiss. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've seen people ask him, "What's up with Chris Bigra?" And all he says is, "Still not skating." I mean, thank you for the insight. Yeah. But. I mean, he's probably beholden to somebody. Uh, he may not know. Yeah. He may not know. Yeah. Although it'd be hard-pressed to know or see anybody else as closely affiliated or right. closely attached to practices. Unless we hear from Eric Bayou, we're not going to We're not gonna know. That yeah, is kind of frustrating. I, I hate this development in sports where you have to be so secretive about injuries. I'm not sure who this is helping. Well, yeah. I'm in the playoffs, it makes sense because yeah. you've got people out there trying to do whatever it takes to win. And, oh, they know that you just tweaked your left knee. Well, guess what I'm going to take a whack at? 
they're going after it. That makes sense to me. But yeah. if someone's but, out long term and the fans are curious why, they, that I don't think I don't know if it's hurting anybody to explain why. Right. It's not uh, you know uh, inhibiting your strategy, or um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just doesn't it, make sense to me. It's frustrating for Avs fans. It's frustrating for Rampage fans. I mean, everybody wants to know, you know, what's up with him, what's up with JT Comfer. Um, you know, that those two are the guys that just they haven't said anything about at all. I mean, everyone else, you kind of know what's up. What changes if, you know, JT Comfer is out with, you know, let's just say a hand injury or something, and he's out for three weeks while it heals? You know, hairline fracture. Who does that hurt? I mean, last year when Duncan got murdered, we didn't know for like a month that it was actually a neck injury and not a concussion. Right. So, you what know, is that helping? Is that helping the player? I don't know. I just is that the even just helping the organization at all. I, I don't get it. He's yeah, out. Don't talk about stuff like that. <laughs> it's very frustrating. It's like everybody but, gets hurt at fucking Fight Club now. <laughs> so at this point it's uh, the end of, no- end of November Colorado are several points out of a playoff spot is there any hope left? of course yeah I mean do we not recall what happened last year? they didn't make the playoffs it's true <laughs> but it wasn't because of their play between uh, December and let's say February well, let's be real, though. The only reason they were even close was because Minnesota was playing just as poorly. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, I look at everyone in the Central, and there's just, you know, again, everybody has warts. There are a lot of teams that can be up and down, and, you know, I think the, the standings are going to swap around a bunch other than Chicago. Uh, Chicago so. has to cool off. They have to at some point. They might. <laughs> <laughs> they might not. Yeah, exactly. We're going to carry that PDO of, what, 103, 104 all year long? Hey, it worked for the Avalanche a few years ago. So that tells us that we need to look forward to, call, to Chicago's first round exit. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, you, know, I, you know, Winnipeg's hot lately. I don't think they're going to stay that hot. I mean, Minnesota, I could see just stopping scoring altogether and dropping a bunch in a row. Two straight weeks. One. They only need to yeah. score one, and that gets them to the shootout because they've got yeah. goalie Jesus. <clears throat> and, you know, it's like Rene's playing well now for Nashville, but, you know, we know how fleeting that can be. And they don't score that much. Yeah, I hope that fleets on Tuesday. You betcha. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> the right direction. Me too. Next week, Colorado finish off their homestand starting on Tuesday versus the Nashville Predators. Then they come back on Thursday to take on the Columbus Blue Jackets again. And finally, on Saturday, the Dallas Stars are back in town. All games are 7 o'clock Mountain this week, and all games are on altitude. Um, for the record, my my expectation is no playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> the dream is dead. The, Thanks, the dream is dead. For me, it's now it's going to be about seeing the team do better. Results are going to matter a lot less to me going forward. I mean, if they do better, they'll probably play well enough to make the playoffs. Nah. A lot of it's ground tough to cover. Division. It, a lot of ground. It's, I mean, it's when you're, you don't have to be that far out at American Thanksgiving for your season to be really, really, really uphill. And that's what they're up against. 
Yeah, but that's, you know, in the past, that's because there have been tank teams and there have been teams that have been way out in front. And I think with everyone so close, it's you, you got to extend that a little bit. Yeah, I'm not sure there's a really clear tank team in the West this year. Arizona is the closest. I mean, thing. yeah. Pretty close, but they're also kind of young. I'm not sure they're tanking on purpose rather than it's just yeah. a matter of their talent at this point. And Vancouver should be, but they won't for unknown reasons. Yeah, I... I uh, last night, seeing Louis Erickson on that roster, I, I was all of a sudden reminded that they went out and signed Louis Erickson. What in the world are they doing? <laughs> it's like you signing the Aquilinis. Yeah, it's like signing Jerome McGinley. What are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what's Erickson thinking? I mean, that guy could have played for anybody, probably. Money, money, money. Yep. Anyway, the Swedish pals. So we have had some excellent predictions on the podcast this season. Oh, yeah. Um, so let's continue the trend by very accurately calling what's going to happen this week. Columbus, or, or Nashville first on Tuesday, win or lose? Lose. 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 Thursday, Blue Jackets, win or lose? Tie. Win. <laughs> I am going to also go with win on that one. Dallas on Saturday. Win. Win. Lose. Wow. I mean, these are home games. I mean, you are right to think that way. <laughs> 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 these are road games, damn it. These would be wic- all victories, all wins. Isn't Dallas on the road? No. Is Dallas on the road? No. No, no, no. Okay. This is the end of the homestand. Home That's all home games. Oh. Got, it's got to regress to the mean at some point. It's got to be two wins this week. I'm thinking one. It won't be against Nashville, though. I think they drop to Nashville. I think they beat Columbus, who should be starting to fall off any minute. And I think they drop to Dallas because they're just still so thin. I mean, you can't win a 6-5 game against that team if you don't score six. Hmm. And Dallas is healthy now. It's If Landeskog is back by then, or if they and they call A.J. Greer back up both, then I'll give that one more of a toss-up. And Rocco Grimaldi to center the fourth. Whoa. Dig it. Let's do it. <laughs> That's a, it's a deep cut there, Rocco Grimaldi. He's really good <laughs> against the Texas Stars, so. Oh, well, there you go. He's a Stars killer. Let's see yeah. if, it, if he can kill all Stars or just AHL ones. <laughs> I just well, like I, to see it. Shake it up. Yeah, I will make a, a, another bold prediction that there's a pretty good chance that Jerome McGinley scores on Tuesday. Hmm. That will be my Avs Twitter psychic pick because he is a Preds killer. Two games in a row, though? Two games in a row. That's Man. like a month's worth of scoring. I Well, he may not score again for three weeks. <laughs> or ever. <laughs> but he is absolutely the Preds killer. And okay, you, how does and he you score? you know this if you follow J.R. Lind on Twitter because as soon as, as it happens, he'll go, Jerome McGinley scores because of course he does. Power play goal? It could be. I don't know. It is, no, I just know what'll happen. He he may have six goals on the year, and they would all be against Nashville. And I'd go, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> That's Jerome McGinley, Preds killer. So I'm still going four points this week. 
Do you think the third line as it is right now makes it through the whole week? The third Ugh. line being Mitchell with Vaginla and Como. Uh, um I mean what I mean no, because I think Landis Gog's back. At some point this week. But every time we talk about these lines, I'm just reminded of my defender rant, which is okay, that sucks, but what do you do instead? Well, I think if Landy comes back, you, you, you start thinking about maybe putting Grigorenko with Como and, and Martinson on the third line and put Mitchell and Iggy and that guy who never shows up on the fourth. I'm fine with that. I've always been a fan of Mitchell on a fourth line playing yeah. center. Yeah. That's that's where I think he can shine, which is, you know, he, his line may, ha- may not be doing anything offensively, but they do have the puck. And they can skate it into the offensive zone and leave it there. Yes. Which yeah, is what a fourth I, line needs to do. Yes. Well, and, I, and I think a third line of Como, who I think would be much better if he was with better players, with Grigorenko would be a good combination. I think Martinson plays much better with better players. I think, you know, it's Absolutely. like completely died when he went to the fourth. Oh, yeah. Those possession so, stats just turn themselves on their head. Yeah, he he looked non non appalling on the Nathan McKinnon line, which part of that is because Nathan McKinnon will make anybody look pretty good. But yeah. he did some good things on his own too. And he's still effective on the penalty kill, which doesn't mean I want him back on that line. No, I if Coach Bender, no, don't do it. No, but I mean, you know, in the third when you're playing the blender game and stuff like that, if they happen to be out together, I think that's you know a good changeup. Who would you prefer in the top six, Andreas Martinson or Rene Bork? Bork. Okay. <laughs> Man, that just came out of your mouth. Yep. Okay, well. He's on his 12% tip drill. Yeah. I mean, he's right. I, I, I hate it, but it's just, he, you know, he makes things happen. If, if the defenders are concerned with Duchesne or Rantanen or McKinnon and the defense the, your defenseman take a shot from the blue line they're less concerned about Rene Bork in front of the net than if he's out there with Mitchell and Como yeah I mean you put him out there when when Barry and, and Weirkosh are out there then that's yeah. you know I, I like that setup yeah tip drill tip drill anything gets to overtime this week before they before they lose gosh I hope so I, I don't think this team loses another game in overtime for a while yeah. No. They're just too good three on three. Right. They don't they don't have to play their crappy players, so they're just too good. They're good at face offs, so they get the puck and they don't lose it. No, I mean they you know, even though they lost last night, that was a clinic. And it was because of Markstrom, like we said. Like how many barely saves did he make in that overtime? Because I would yeah. wager most of the saves he made were barely. I think I blacked out everything before and after that Duchesne save. <laughs> that just, my eyes rolled in the back of my head, and I think I may have seized. I <laughs> think they just stayed there. <laughs> <laughs> Choked on my tongue. Don't do that. Ugh. Oh, hey, any other closing thoughts tonight? I don't think so. I, I want to see better results because I think this team is still playing better hockey than it was last year, and I think they deserve better results. Um, I just I wanted to throw out one interesting stat from the Friday game between the Rampage and the Texas Stars. 
at 5v5, the Stars had 32 Corsi and had seven shots. Damn. <laughs> Whoa. Were those blocked or wide? Ball under the stands. Well, <laughs> this is Topher Manassi. He, he charts all the games um, from the stands, and he, do, he doesn't differentiate between blocks and, and Oh, Messi. okay. So, so he understands that Fenwick isn't that interesting. <laughs> well, he just he doesn't have time to note all that. I Man, guess. what a hero, though. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I no, not like he gets paid for that, I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I just I thought that was amazing that they could have 25 blocked or missed shots. <laughs> Colorado's done that to Winnipeg before, don't you remember? We'd have games where they were like. Everyone's like, oh, how are they getting out shot so bad? And like, they're really not. Winnipeg's just blocking literally everything. <clears throat> and and Dallas and uh, Texas is the they they either lead the league in shots per game or they're close. I mean, they're they're one of the. I mean, they give up four goals a game and they score a little over four. You know, they're they're just <laughs> all about the offense. Yeah, high event. Yeah. So I, I just. I thought that was amazing that that could even happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, if uh, if Ryan's eyes ever roll out of the back of his head, then you can make sure that you will find out here. Um, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Mile High Hockey Podcast, which you can find on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash milehighhockeypodcast or on Mixcloud at mixcloud.com slash milehighhockeypodcast. And we're on iTunes, and we are able to have our RSS feed land in whatever podcast catcher you prefer to use for your device. Uh, but iTunes is the easiest if you're on a computer and use iTunes. You get the latest abs news and updates at milehighhockey.com at facebook.com slash milehighhockey and you can follow us on Twitter at milehighhockey. In the meantime, we'll see you back on Tuesday for the Nashville game. Keep your head up, get to the dirty areas and we will talk to you in a week or so. My mom had her computer update a couple weeks ago and it just Crashed the whole thing. Oh, that's good. Bad sectors, yada yada yada. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, it, was, it just it would boot up and start uh, yellow or white ping pong balls rolling sure. across the screen. <laughs> what? You know the you know the circles that the the white dots when it's updating for Windows 10. I don't have Windows 10. I wouldn't know. Oh. Well, that's what it looks like. It's 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 a little circle of white ping pong balls. I think my favorite part of the NHL.com redesign is that you actually have to select a different game in order to load up the box score the one you want. Yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs>